My Car Guru, episode 173. Good morning, everybody. This is Lenny Lawson, and I'm glad to be with you this morning. I was uh, driving back from cardiac rehab the other day, going through a certain section of town that I won't name, and I saw a uh, advertisement on the side of the road, a, a temporary sign, I guess. It said, title loans, 9.99%. Well, you know, that sounds like a decent rate for a title loan. I mean, I've heard title loans that were you know, up in the 30s and 40% range. Um, you know, if you have to pay that kind of uh, interest rate for something, then maybe you need to borrow from a relative or something. But I guess people run out of, of choices. 9.99. I remember when that was a fantastic rate for a car um, in 1980. Uh, prime rate was, I think, around 21%. And... Um, I know General Motors came out with a special low-interest program. I was a Chevy dealer back then, and uh, they had this special incentive to get people to really stir up the market. 13.9. Yeah, we were so excited because we were had been loaning money at about 18.9, at least through GMAC, which doesn't really exist anymore. But um, So you know, when you're borrowing money, um, you need to really think about especially on a car. You need to think about what, what the terms are and in terms of how long you're going to finance the vehicle and then what kind of interest rate you're going to have to pay. Now, right now, uh, I asked my sales manager just uh, yesterday, I said, what's the low, lowest rate we have? Well, it's a particular credit union, and it's 3.09%. Well, I mean, here in, uh, what is this, August the 17th, 2022, it's not a bad rate. Um compared to where we were. But see, people just don't have the perspective anymore about interest rates because they have been so low for so long. I mean, basically since 2000, since the Great Recession, when was that? 2009? Probably 2009 through 2011? I don't know how long it lasted. We survived that one, though. Uh, it was close. It was a nail-biter. But these are considerations that people... They just really don't think about how low interest rates are. They see, you know, 4.9%. How are we going to pay that? You know, that's ridiculous. Well, and then you see other people having to pay 9.9 or 29.9, you know, like a buy here, pay here lot. Why does that happen to people? You know, why why do some people um, have to pay 20% interest and other people can pay 3% interest? Well, it has to do with their credit. You know, it's and credit is a, a a measure as far as the banks are concerned of behavior and degree of responsibility. You know, people with bad credit get that because uh, typically it's because they um, don't pay their bills on time, and I, I, that may seem very obvious. But you know that if if you're late on, let's say you have a sixty month contract and you're late on the first one but you pay all the other ones on time. Well, guess what? We well, are late on all of them because you never did catch up that first one. Uh, people don't look at that. They, they need to call their financial institution that they're borrowing money from and give them a heads up on what's going on. You know, do you have some kind of a family situation? Do you have a medical situation that, you know, is, is really putting you in a bind? If you do that... If you call them, then sometimes they'll make accommodations for you. 
they may say, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll just don't make a payment for the next month. Just skip that payment, and then we'll make it up. But if you don't call them, then, you know, bad things happen to your credit score. So, you know, somebody that has perfect credit is about an 800 Beacon score. I think that's the, t- the highest number that you can have. Um, now, we still sell, we sell cars to people that have 800 Beacon scores, and typically they pay a lot of money down or, you know, they, or they just don't finance at all unless they've got 0% financing, and then they'll do that because they can earn more on their money, you know, in the bank than zero. Well, in some cases you can. And then you have the person with a 500 Beacon score. Well, you look at their credit report, if you knew how to read one, you would say, my goodness, these people don't pay anybody, and they pay everything late. And they've had charge-offs, you know, at, at different places, hospitals or, you know, the doctor's office or on a furniture loan or something, uh, or and really big credit card balances. You know, these problems, sometimes they happen because somebody loses a job um, and they can't find another one, or because they get sick and uh, they have huge medical expenses. You know, those kind of things can be explained to a bank, and the bank will make accommodations sometimes. They don't just look at Beacon scores. I mean, they're looking at the character of the individual, and you can see a lack of of character when it comes to financial matters uh, by looking at a lot of credit scores and looking at their credit history. You know, when we... When you give us your information, when you fill out a inf- uh, credit application, you're authorizing us to go in and, and you know, look inside behind, you know, your closet um, and see everything that's going on financially with you. Um, you know, we know how much you make. We know how much you have going out. And those are all critical uh, things as far as trying to understand what you can afford to buy, and the bank looks at that too. I mean, we've had people actually come in to buy cars, and they have more going out than they have coming in, and they they're coming in. They're going to take on another four or five hundred dollars a month, and we just look at ourselves and say, "What are they doing? I mean, do they have an oil well in their backyard? You know, are they are they dealing drugs? What's the deal here?" And you know, some banks will actually buy those people. I, I really don't understand, you know, the logic and the, but sometimes a computer is making the decision. But, you know, you need to use the computer that's on top of your shoulders. And when you start having difficulty, that's the time to to raise your hand and say, hey, I'm I'm having a problem here, and talk to your your banker, the people that you have loans with. You know, you can go on there, you can find uh, on your credit report. If you haven't done that, you can find the reasons why your score is so low. And it might be because you have some outstanding, very small balances, maybe on some credit cards or something like that, that you forgot you had, but they were charged off. And, um, and that weighs on your credit score. So if, if, you get, if you find out about those, get those cleared off. It takes a little while, but you can get those cleared, cleared off and have an amazing improvement in your credit score. Well, what does that do for you? We'll get you lower interest rates. Um, every customer is rated. You know, it could be a one, two, three, four scale, or it could be a A, B, C, D tier. But they tier their customers and they tier their rates based on credit scores many times. So um, we've actually seen people right now. Ford Motor Credit is very aggressive at buying. We call it buying paper. I mean, that's basically financing cars for people. They call it buying paper because we print the contract is printed on paper, 
and we submit it to them, and they give us a check for it. Um, and they are very aggressive with people with moderate credit to kind of bad. And so they will stretch. They will give those people better rates right now. It's because uh, they're, they're just really hungry for business. You know, you'll find banks sometimes that are just really out there trying to get as much business as they can. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, and they do that by dropping rates and being more aggressive with who they're buying paper from. So, or, you know, if you're a customer with a, a 600 beacon score, uh, you know, sometimes when, when you're in the 600 to seven, to like 680 range, um, you know, you, you can still qualify for some pretty good rates, but you have to be diligent and just not take, you know, definitely not buy the car just based on the payment alone. Make sure you know what interest rate you're paying. And when you go into the finance office and you sign that paperwork and you see it says 14.9 and say, whoa. I don't mind $450 a month, but I'm not paying $14.9. I can, you can do better than that for me. And put them to work. You know, make them go to work for you. They will. They want your business. All right, I'm going to take my first break. I'll be back here in just a minute. Okay, I'm back. You know, sadly, the largest majority of people who have bad credit just don't care. They don't take signing a contract as seriously as you do. And, uh, you know, some of this behavior is passed on. Uh, many times they have found that, that the children of people with horrendous credit also have a horrendous credit because they just didn't learn the skills that they needed to be able to manage. And, and nobody gave them an idea how important that managing your credit is. Um, you know, it's just one of those things that, that, that can affect more than just your ability to buy something. It can, it can affect your ability to get hired. You know, a lot of companies now require uh, a credit application filled out. They want to see what your credit is. They want to see your credit report to see how responsible you are. You know, somebody can look, dress really nice and, you know, have be really uh, well-spoken and have horrendous credit. And what does that say about them? You know, other okay, I mean, just I understand that a lot of people's credit situations are out of their control, you know, because of loss of a job or um, a sickness or something like that. But forget about that. Let's take those people off the table. I'm talking about the irresponsible ones and the ones that don't pay anybody on time. You know, that is a choice. That is a behavior. And then they go in and they try to buy stuff and they don't understand why they have to pay so much. You know, another thing is is stay away from the, the credit cards if you can. Uh, you know, you can borrow money from a bank, just straight from a bank, a whole lot cheaper than you can putting it on a credit card. And credit card balances that are carried over and over and over again, uh, try to pay off those credit cards every month because when you carry them forward, uh, that hurts your credit score dramatically. Um, that's just something that you need to pay attention to. You know, I offer to go out and, and speak to schools. And, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times I've called the, um, well, the school board members and the superintendent of schools in, in my community and said, hey, I'll be happy to come in and talk to your, um, you know, people that are getting ready to graduate. Um, or, you know, I could even get to them sooner. The sooner the better, you know, because learning financial responsibility uh, how soon should you learn that? 
I mean, that should be happening in an elementary school, for that matter, and at home before they go to school. You know, the piggy bank, you know, and what do we buy our kids and what do they have to do to be able to get something, you know, at the Ben Franklin Five and Dime? Remember those? Uh, you know, there should be some type of price to have to pay, a job, you know, understanding the value of money. But, you know, going into these high schools and just explaining that, you know, you, you think that you're not going to get grades anymore. You know, you think that when you get out of high school that you don't have to worry about uh, your performance anymore. That's wrong. Uh, you, you know, you're going to be evaluated by your employer and you're going to be in, evaluated by um, some anonymous person sitting in front of a computer working for a bank, and they're going to determine whether you get that new Mustang or not. And if you haven't behaved properly, and this is what proper behavior looks like, and this is what improper behavior looks like. You know, I've offered to do that for the schools, and, and very seldom, if ever, well, I've been to two schools and spoken to their classes, and it was a big assembly in one of them. And it was a bunch of eighth graders, <laughs> believe it or not. Probably a little early. I mean, I wasn't talking about credit scores. I was just talking about personal responsibility. Uh, what does it look like? What does irresponsibility look like? You know, these are such big issues right now. You see a lot of those behaviors in in society right now where, where you know, teenagers and young adults, you just wonder which planet did they come from? And uh, it happened right under our noses, right? Generational differences are, are interesting to uh, observe. You know, speaking of generations, I was looking about the shopping uh, habits of different generations. I found an interesting article about that. Now, if you don't know what all these uh, designations are, I'll, I'll bring you up to speed, okay? Uh, Generation Z, those are uh, 18 to 24-year-olds. Uh, they were born in 1997 to 2002, 18 to 24, Generation Z. Millennials, that, we hear a lot about millennials. I've got, my children are millennials. Um, 1981 to 1996, they're anywhere from 25 to 39 years old right now. Generation X is 1965 to 1980. Uh, they're getting up there in age, up to uh, 55 years old. Baby boomers, that's me. And you probably. Uh, 1946 is when the baby boomers started being born. I guess those World War II people coming back saying, okay, let's get on with it. Uh, through 1964, 56 to 74 years old. And then, you know what they call people who were born between 1925 and 1945? This just isn't fair. They call you the silent generation. I don't know why. Maybe because you don't complain. Uh, that's probably the reason. Uh, but it was this article was talking about shopping habits and um, talking about where people shop. Do they prefer to shop online or in a store? What the different age groups, where do they shop? Well, Generation Z, the youngsters, they do 89% of their shopping online. Millennials do even more, 91%. Gen X is right there with them, 90%. Baby boomers, we, we like to shop in stores a little bit more. Uh, we shop 81% online now. They taught us how to use our, our smartphones. Uh, they still, 19% like to shop in-store only. That's interesting. And then the silent generation, they're even shopping online, according to this. 76% shop online. I don't believe that. 
I know so many people in that generation, they, they still use flip phones. Uh, they don't know. Maybe they're getting somebody else to, to shop for them. You know, if you look all the way across all those generations, you know where the number one place where they all like to shop online? That's right. Amazon. Uh, all of them. Uh, second place is Walmart. And the third place is eBay. And that's true for all generations. Um, you know, you, if you ask them why they prefer shopping online, uh, the youngsters say that they really seek other, other uh, reviews. They look at the reviews. I was look, uh, buying some, what was I buying the other? Oh, yeah, I'm getting ready to convert a lot of my, my, my parents' 8mm and Super 8 film. And I'm having a few problems with their old projector. And I said, okay, do I need to buy a new projector? Or do I just need to buy one of those projector things that converts it from, you know, the format that it is, which is ancient, to a digital format? And it'll go on an SD card. And I said, why don't I just do the latter? So I ordered one. But first, I checked the reviews. And there were a couple of them that, that had, you know, pretty low prices. And they looked like they did everything I wanted them to do, but they had mixed reviews. And so I found one from Kodak that is getting ready to come out. hadn't hadn't been released yet, but it's getting ready to. And so I reserved one. And so, uh, and because it's had so many good, well, the previous one had so just about perfect reviews. So anyway, that's why I did that. Um, you know, you look at millennials; they're more interested in fast shipping and and more product options. Generation X, more product options, and the ease of not leaving home. Have you ever ordered your groceries yet from uh, any place and gone and picked them up? Now, that's cool. I did that the other day. My wife ordered the groceries from Publix, and she said, would you go get the groceries? I said, well, sure. It's a lot easier than having to go and pick them off the shelf myself. So I just sat there in the parking lot and, and uh, logged into the app, and within, a, I don't know, probably less than two minutes, here's this lady coming out with a cart full of groceries. And I just helped her load them and said, thank you very much. You're not even supposed to tip them either. So, you know, that's pretty cool. Uh, not ha I had to leave home, but a lot of people buy from Amazon stuff like that because they, they just don't want to leave home. Baby boomers, you know why they don't want to go out and shop? They want to avoid public places. Uh, that's probably a result of the pandemic. Uh, also, the ease of not having to leave home. Now, the silent generation, it's all about not having to leave home. They want to stick around. Uh, younger generations care more about brand names. I don't know if that's so true. I've always been kind of focused on brand names, but uh, millennials are the most brand-driven people. Uh, they say 29% say they're always looking for brand name products online. They're not interested in, you know, the generic form of Fruit Loops. Uh, Generation Z and Generation X like their brands too. One in five Gen Xers, 21%. One in four Gen Zers will go for the branded item over a non-branded item. Only 3% of the silent generation say they will only buy a product based on its name. Interesting. You know, there's a big question going on right now with the Ford Motor Company. Uh, they're splitting the company into two parts, the EV part and the internal combustion engine part. Ford Blue is what they're calling that. And so uh, Ford is telling us, and, of course, I'll find out all the details when I go to Las Vegas next month for a one-day meeting. Um, they will tell us what the plan is. And so what they're saying is that all EVs will be order-only 
and it will be shipped to your house or to the dealership for you to pick it up. So this could appeal to just about everybody on this list, it looks like. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to buy a car without driving it, um, without actually experiencing it. And I, I don't ever recommend to anyone uh, that they buy a car that way. I think it's important to drive it. What people are trying to avoid is the, you know, the overall experience, right? I mean, they don't like dealing with salespeople unless they find a good one. You know, a good salesperson has great product knowledge, you know, doesn't push, uh, answers questions, asks the right questions, you know, kind of leads you through the process and, uh, you know, and also knows when to follow. And, you know, it's just a great salesperson is to be much admired and appreciated. But now you get some guy or gal that doesn't know their product and they are pushy and they seem like all they're interested in is hurrying things up, then that's what turns people off, and that's why they don't want to go into a car dealership and buy something. Now, of course, I get irritated when I go to a clothing store, and everybody's coming up to me and says, can I help you? Can I help you? Can I? You know, and all I ever say is, no, I'm just looking. No, I'm just looking. You know, that's the, that's the go-to line, isn't it, when we go shopping and we don't want somebody to, we want somebody to bug off? I'm just looking. Now, if you run into a good salesperson, they might say, well, good. You well, you have to look before you buy anything, and, and if you don't mind my asking, what in particular are you looking for? And I'll help you find it. Uh, the bad salesperson will say, well, just let me know if you need me. I'll be standing over here with all these other salespeople smoking and looking at our cell phones. So we shall see how all this plays out. And uh, I know that one thing, that my dealerships will be on the cutting edge of any kind of transformation that happens because we that's just who we are. You know, we don't sit still. Uh, if we have something that works really well and our customers like it, we get good feedback, then we stick with it. But if we see something that's going a different direction, like people not wanting to come into the dealership, then we'll go to them. You know, we'll do what we have to to survive as a business. That's what we do. And that's what any business is supposed to do. Okay, I'll take my last break and be back here in just a minute. Well, thanks for listening to this edition of My Car Guru. You know, you can do something about your credit. Um, you just have to pay attention to it and know the different steps that you can take to improve it. And so much of it is behavior-driven. It's you putting a priority on paying things on time and not getting, uh, not stretching yourself too far that you can't pay for what you buy and you can't support your lifestyle. And that's we see that so often. Uh, and you know, I've actually talked people out of buying a car before because it's just it's the wrong car, it's the wrong time. It's hard. That's hard to do. You know, when you're running a business, you want to make a sale. But also, you don't want it to be your last sale. You want, it, you want them to come back. And, and typically, I've, I have found out that when you uh, behave in, in the best interest of the customer, that it will come back in a good way. Uh, you, don't, you may not see them again, but more than likely, they'll come back. They'll remember that, that good deed that you did and we'll appreciate it, and we'll give you the opportunity to earn their business in the future. So if I can help you in any way, just don't hesitate to call me Lenny Lawson, 423-552-2020, and I will see you tomorrow.